630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rich shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Here's the latest word from Colby Cave's family. Colby is still in a medically induced coma. This is giving his brain time to heal and rest from all he's been through. We would like to thank the Oilers organization, the entire hockey community, all of our friends and family, and everyone who has shown us love and support. We would like to send a big thank you to Colby's critical care team, neurosurgeons, and nurses at Sunnybrook Hospital. We appreciate all that you are doing for Colby. That is the message put out today from Colby Cave's family, put out through the Edmonton Oilers. And, of course, you've heard the story. Cave had emergency brain surgery on Tuesday to remove a colloid cyst from his brain, so he does remain in a medically induced coma at a hospital in Toronto. Earlier today on Oilers, now Connor McDavid on his teammate Colby Cave. Yeah, it's devastating, honestly. But you know, Colby is one of the strongest guys in always. He did Saskatchewan boys, so um, he's as tough as they come and, and he's as strong as they come. So if anyone's going to get through it, it's going to be Colby Cave. And I just think that uh, everyone just needs to keep uh, Colby, Emily, his wife, and uh, their whole family just uh, in their thoughts and, and in their prayers and, and, um, and make sure we're sending out, uh, sending out good vibes uh, for that family. And, and the speed of recovery, and just uh, I just can't imagine what they're going through right now. And you know, Kobe's a guy that uh, is so well liked, and, and in our room, and I'm sure in every dressing room that he's been in. So, um, but like I said, if anyone's going to get through it, it's going to be Kobe Cave, and and we're we're right there with them through the fight. Well, well said by Connor McDavid. Everybody hoping for the best for that young man. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight as we take you into Easter weekend. It'll feel a lot differently than all the other Easter's you've experienced, but I hope there's time for your loved ones and a little bit of relaxation as we move along here. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in to Inside Sports. It is 7.07. You'll hear more from Connor McDavid as we move throughout the next hour. I can also tell you that McDavid and his Oilers teammates are contributing $100,000 for COVID-19 support in the community. The uh, exact details on how those funds are going to be used has not yet been determined, but McDavid and his players pitching in a little bit here to help. You can reach out at 780-496-0063. That is the number to both call and text. And this portion of the show is presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. And I am very pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports a man who won a great cup and a most outstanding player award while playing for the Edmonton Eskimos, now the quarterback for the BC Lions, it is Mike Riley. Mike, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Thanks for asking, and, and thanks for having me on. It's been a little while uh, since I was last on, and uh, certainly wasn't under these circumstances. But, yeah, man, we're good. We're good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, a, a few things have changed since the last time we talked. Let, let's start there. Let your fans know 
where you are, how you and your family have been dealing with everything that's been going on in the world. Yeah, for sure. We're doing well. Um, Emily and the kids are, are, are great. Um, you know, we haven't gotten totally sick of each other yet, although I'm sure we're on that path, as is everybody in this world uh, that's stuck with each other. But, um, you know, we're doing good. We're, da- we're down here in Seattle, um, which was kind of an interesting place. Well, everywhere's an interesting place now, but it was kind of an interesting place compared to everyone else about a month ago because we seemed like we were kind of the only area in North America that was getting hit with the coronavirus. We were the, the first epicenter in the U.S., and, um, you know, so we've been kind of dealing with this maybe a little bit longer than everybody else has. And, uh, you know, at first it seemed uh, really, really weird, um, you know, because there was just a lot of talk about it. And and we had a life care center that got hit. And unfortunately, there was a lot of uh, fatalities from that. And it just seemed kind of, uh, you know, it just seemed very strange. It was like, man, we're the only only place that's dealing with this like you know why are we having to go on lockdown and all this you know they canceled school for like a month and that seemed insane um you know and here we are a month later and it's just like you know uh kind of seems like normal everyday operation now is just wake up and stay on your own property and if you got to run to the grocery store then uh, then you go, but that's not even a normal situation anymore. There's like lines outside because they're, they only let a few people in at a time and everybody's wearing face masks and there's sneeze guards in front of the cashiers and things like that. So, uh, it certainly seems at times like we're living in a, in a bit of a movie, um, you know, but, uh, that's where we're at. And thankfully everybody that, uh, that that's close to me that I know has managed to stay healthy. So that's, what's most important. And a huge impact on the world of sports for the CFL, the first announcement was training camps will not begin May 17th, and now there will not be games until July, and that's obviously July at the earliest because they're still so so uncertain about everything. So as a player, you're sitting there, and now you're kind of like, oh, so when do, when do I need to be ready? How, how have you been dealing with that part of it? Yeah, that's tough. Um, not not just for us, of course. You know, for I think everyone on the planet Um is struggling with the uncertainty, you know, as a human being, um, I think we're all creatures of habit. And, and I think we also all kind of, uh, you know, have that inherent nature to, to look ahead on the schedule. You know, that's why we have clocks and calendars and things like that is because people like to, to schedule, uh, you know, their lives. And, um, you know, that's impossible for anyone to do right now, simply because you just don't know, even the experts, they don't know, uh, everybody has their own theories and things like that. Um, you know, but, uh, who knows when this thing is actually going to clear up to the extent that we can kind of go back, um, you know, for the most part to normal life. And, and of course, you know, sports are such a small, um, you know, part of the equation in terms of, of trying to get life back to normal, but they certainly are part of it. And for people that are employed in the sports business, um, you know, that's one of the most important things. Yeah. I love, I love playing the game. I want to be on the field playing, uh, but just as important uh, to me, to any other player in our league, to any other coach, any other uh, person's employed by the CFL, um, you know, that, that's, that's how we make a living too. So just as everybody else in you know the world, and there's been millions of people filing for unemployment at a record breaking rate in the U S uh, everybody's jobs are being affected right now. So I think everybody wants things to go back to normal as fast as possible. Um, you know, but I think if you were sitting there a couple of weeks ago and you were surprised by the announcement, uh, but by the league office of, of, 
pushing back training camps or even delaying the season till July at the earliest, then I think you were just in denial. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that it's going to take some time for things to get back, um, you know, in terms of being safe for everybody to, to enjoy things, uh, you know, in big group settings. And so hopefully, hopefully they get it figured out. But uh, us as players, you know, although this is uh, an interesting time and it is stressful and the unknown and all that, uh, we're also, um, you know, trained to be ready at any moment, uh, you know, to go out there and perform. And so, um, you know, that's how I look at it. I worry about the things that I can control and certainly I have no, uh, no bearing on this other than to do my part with social distancing. Uh, and outside of that, um, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm ready so that whenever we do get to play, um, you know, whether it's July or August or September or next year, whenever the case may be, um, you know, I'll be ready to go. BC Lions quarterback Mike Riley joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Well, in your readiness to go, I think, Mike, if you and I would have been talking this week, even without there being a a delay to the season, we would have talked about something that happened to you in Edmonton late last year. Unfortunately, you suffered a a wrist injury. And I I know that was a a tough moment for a lot of Eskimos fans to see that because you still have a lot of people who obviously like you as as a player here, regardless of what jersey color you're wearing. So tell us a little bit about you know, working through the wrist injury, recovering in the off season. How is it feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. Things are feeling great. Um, you know, that day was, uh, that was a challenge because, um, you know, obviously we had finally got into the win column and had a, at the time, I don't know, I think it was like four game winning streak, um, you know, going on and Edmonton had been struggling a bit and, uh, you know, it was going to be either us or them in that final playoff spot. And certainly things had to go, uh, very well for, for us in BC the last three weeks of the year, we needed to win out and Edmonton needed to lose, um, you know, their last three games, uh, for us to, to take the tiebreaker and make it to the playoffs. But there was certain things were trending in that direction um you know if they continued on that path that's obviously a big if but that made that game um you know a really big game of course the biggest game for us of the year um and and i think for edmonton as well because you know winning the game like they did sealed their playoff spot so um i was excited about that i felt like we were finally kind of putting things together um you know and i, I always loved playing in edmonton i loved playing there when it was my my home stadium and and i still love going back um you know so i was excited about that game and it was only the you know second offensive drive I think it was when I got hurt and so it was super early in the game and that was just deflating and disappointing with all of the all the challenges that we had gone through during the course of the season and and uh, that was one of the most punishing seasons I'd played through um, and I was you know at that time I was the only healthy quarterback in the league remaining despite all of the all the punishment I had taken for it to happen that quick in that game was just kind of it was a bit shocking to me and it just was extremely disappointing. So that part sucked. But, um, one thing that I will never forget was I went in the locker room, um, you know, the, the Eskimos, uh, training staff and, and team doctors who I obviously know very well <laughs> throughout the various injuries and ailments that they helped me through during my six years in Edmonton. Uh, you know, they took me into the Eskimos locker room and, and used the x-ray machine there so we could figure out right away what was going on and obviously saw that it was broken, which was no surprise. Um, you know, but once we got it set back into place, uh, um, you know, it was still probably late in the first quarter, maybe early in the second quarter. Um, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit in this locker room. I'm going to go out and watch the game. And so when I was walking along the sideline, um, 
you know, the fan base on the visitor side started to notice that I was walking down the sideline and, and all the, all the sections over there behind the visitors bench, um, pretty much got a standing ovation of fans standing up and clapping and, and wishing me, uh, you know, the best. And that meant a lot, um, you know, cause that's a pretty low point as a player when you you're dealing with an injury and, um, you know, to have, uh, that fan base that had meant so much to me for so long, um, you know, appreciate my efforts that, that, that was a good feeling. So, um, but that aside, uh, the, the wrist injury actually ended up, it was kind of crazy. I'd never, obviously broken a wrist and thankfully it was my left wrist, not on my, not on the throwing side. Um, but we, we came back and, uh, Thanksgiving was, I want to say, uh, either the next day or two days after, but, um, we, we had the surgery two days after the game. Um, and, uh, and the doctors came in on their holiday break and they were great. And, and we got done with the surgery and they, you know, so I came out of anesthesia and they said, okay, everything's great. You got a titanium plate in there with some screws holding it together. And I had a splint wrapped up on my, on my hand. And, and so I said, okay, well, what's next? And they said, well, come to the office in about 10 days, we'll cut that thing off and uh, you'll be good to go. And I was like, yeah, okay. Seriously though, what are we going to do? And they're like, no, 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 that's, that's it. Um, I was shocked. And so, you know, 10 days later I went to the office, they cut the splint off, uh, took the staples out of the scar, out of this, out of the incision. It was so soon the incision actually hadn't fully closed up. Uh, so they ended up like using uh, glue stitches to, to close it back up. Um, but they were like, yeah, uh, you know, you don't want to have like a really hard impact on it for about six weeks. So, you know, if you were like a, you know, a mountain biker or something, we'd tell you not to do that. So anything that's going to like jar and impact your wrist. But in terms of, you know, grabbing things and carrying stuff and, and all that, you're fine. You're good to go. Um, and I was really hesitant for a day or two. And then I just started using it and it was really stiff for a week or two. Um, but honestly, by uh, mid-November, it was pretty much completely back to normal by December. I was back in the weight room being able to do bench press and pull-ups and cleans and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's been a hundred percent ever since then. Um, you know, my, my daughter, Brooklyn loves to point at my scar. She, she got big into lion King and uh, of course, uh, Simba's uncle scar. So she always is like scar. It's like your scar day. We don't like scars. And she just, she doesn't like my scar on my wrist, but, oh, nice. uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was pretty much how November and, and December went, but, uh, I was shocked. I, I mean, it, it goes to show, um, you know, with medical advances and technology and things like that. I mean, it's pretty incredible what they can do. And, and, uh, now again, outside of just the visual of the scar, you, I wouldn't even know that, uh, that I had ever broken it. It's apparently stronger than the other one is now. Oh, good stuff. Okay. Well, I, I'm glad to hear the, the recovery for that went, went pretty well. I'm going to throw one more at you here, Mike, to have a little bit of fun. You and I have talked a lot over the years, but I don't know if we've ever gone down this path. And the reason I'm oh, asking you this okay. yeah, is because I, I, I interviewed... <laughs> this is quite a lead-up. <laughs> well, I interviewed Trevor Harris earlier in the week. Okay. And he told a story that... If you're Trevor, asking me if I've ever uh, tap danced, no, I have not. <laughs> That's where you're going. Did do tap last year? That's right. The answer is no, but I'm sure you have another question. So yes, go ahead. (laughs) So Trevor, his first love was basketball. He golfed. He played baseball. In his freshman year of high school, he wanted to quit football, and his mom paid him fifty bucks to stay on the team so he wouldn't let down his dad. 
and he did it, and he used all the money to get Chinese takeout food. Did, oh. When you were a younger Mike Riley, did you ever have a point where you thought maybe football's not for me? No. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I say that jokingly a bit, um, but at the same time, no. Uh, I always knew that this was what I wanted to do. Um, I, I think, I don't know if it's when I was young, I'm sure that that was the case at times too. Um, I'm sure it's happened uh, over the last couple of years and decade, and even at the best of times, um, there are moments where you wonder, man, is this is this all worth it? Is the punishment? Is the time? Is uh, you know the injuries? All this stuff? Is it worth it? Do I want to keep doing this? And and those moments are generally fleeting, and uh, you give your head a shake, and you go, "What the heck am I talking about? This is what I love to do." Um, but no, I don't think so. Not as a as a kid growing up. Um, you know, I, I was, my dad is one of my best friends. He was the best man in, in my wedding. Um, you know, and that was kind of our bond was football. You know, we loved watching football together. He coached football. Um, you know, I loved playing it. And that was just kind of, uh, the one thing that, uh, you know, I was able to kind of escape and go and do if, if, uh, if I was having a bad day or if I was bored or, you know, whatever it was, you know, if I ever wanted to go down to the field and throw the ball, he would run routes for me and things like that. We just kind of, kind of went into our own little world and just enjoyed football. So uh, that never crossed my mind to give that up. There's other sports. Uh, Certainly I played a ton of sports. I played baseball. I did golf as well. I played basketball. um, And I, I did end up quitting baseball uh, because it was just, it was too time consuming and I, I didn't love it. Like I loved football. So I, I understand that feeling for sure. Um, never, never really had that with football, but sports, it does come a point. I mean, they're great when you're a kid growing up, it teaches you a lot about uh, yourself and other people and the world in general and, and gives you great life lessons. But as you progress and it becomes more intense and more serious, uh, there does come a point where, you know, you either are going to go full bore ahead or, uh, or you're going to move on and do something else. And so I felt, that way with baseball that's uh um you know i'm sure i made the right decision i i wasn't uh i wasn't the greatest pitcher in the world but i could throw it pretty hard um you know but uh yeah football has just kind of always been the constant for me for sure yeah well good to hear mike you know what glad you're healthy and safe glad the wrist is healed and uh, i know we're going to keep in touch we may bug you to come on the show again at some point because fans in this part of the world always love hearing from you but in the meantime stay well and thank you so much for joining us on inside sports well thank you thanks for having me on absolutely you and uh, everybody listening stay safe stay healthy and uh you know hopefully we'll get this thing cranked back up soon Yeah, right on. That is Mike Riley, one of the most well-spoken athletes you will ever hear from. Always a treat to have him on Inside Sports. We're going to take a quick timeout. It's 7.23. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Vic texting in 7804960063 says I can't ever get enough Mike Riley could have had him speak for an hour. Well, maybe someday we can get Mike on the show for an extended interview and really get into some stuff. But man, that was a great story he told. Breaks his wrist. 
Commonwealth Stadium late last year, goes to the locker room, gets the x-ray, still most of the game left, so he comes back to walk on the sideline or watch from the sidelines, and then he's walking back. The Commonwealth Stadium faithful give him a standing ovation. A little bit more here from Oilers captain Connor McDavid on that $100,000 donation to support the battle against COVID-19 in the community. This is something that's been in the works for a long time now. We're just trying to figure out what's the best way to go about doing it. And, you know, obviously there's so many different people affected and and so many different communities and groups affected that, you know, we want to try to be able to to assist and and, uh, to help as many people as possible. And, um, you know, it's tough to to make that decision. But, you know, the money money we hope is going to go a long way and... and, uh, and helping people and you know, especially Alberta and oil country um, you know, with, with what's going on with the economy there's lots of people that are being affected by by COVID and, and by um, you know just everything that's been going on so um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an easy sell for, for everyone and, and uh, it's something that uh, we all wanted to do You can get more from McDavid on 630chat.com We're back after the news Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Great chat with Mike Riley in the first half hour of the show. You can get more from him on 630ched.com or globalnews.ca. Same with Connor McDavid, captain of your Edmonton Oilers. He commented on Colby Cave today, and Cave does remain in a medically induced coma in a hospital in Toronto as he recovers from uh, brain surgery. McDavid, he was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. also did a conference call with uh, a variety of media members. I was in on that one, and we'll get to a couple more McDavid clips as we move along. But I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports a member of the Detroit Red Wings. I still have to get used to saying that. It is Sam Gagne checking in tonight. Sam, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I, I believe uh, you're in Edmonton riding out this pandemic. How's, how's everybody doing? Yeah, um, family's good. I mean, um, you know, obviously not the uh, situation you would want to, to get your family together, but um, I think that's the kind of silver lining of it. Um, we haven't had a ton of family time this year and getting a chance to just kind of hunker down in the house here and be together. And um, that part of it's been nice. I, I mean, I got to ask you for a comment on, on Colby. It's, uh, I mean, it's just uh, Connor used the word devastating earlier today. And I was just so shocked when I saw the news uh, a couple of days ago. Um, you know, I know you were, you were Colby's, Colby's teammate for, for a long time, but, uh, you know, teammates tend to bond pretty quickly. Uh, just tell us a little bit about, uh, about Colby. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I just get, chills thinking about it it's um it's obviously really scary and you know devastating is is a good word um to use there um but i mean uh i think when when you think about colby um he's just one of those guys that um he, he brings a ton of energy to the rink every day and he's always has a smile on his face and then you know i i play with him a bit in the minors this year too and and you know you get sent down and it's kind of a you know that's not what you want for your career and he comes and you know, he's got a smile on his face, and he's just working to get better. And, um, you know, he's just a great teammate, a great person. Uh, you obviously are um, just thinking about him and his family during this time. Um, you know, his, his, his wife, Emily, and, and, you know, his parents and everyone that's kind of going through this with him. And, you know, you just 
obviously hope for the best. And I mean, Kobe's a fighter, and um, you, you just hope that he can um, find his way through this. And you know, we're all pulling for him. So um, you know, he's got a ton of support, that's for sure. And uh, you know, you're just kind of hoping for the best as uh, as this goes along here. Yeah, for sure. Definitely hoping for the best. Absolutely. Sam Gagne joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Sam, we haven't spoken since uh, since you were traded back on February 24th. Uh, the Oilers were, were clipping along and heading towards the playoff spot. And uh, and you got moved. I know that's a. I, I know it's not the first time it's happened to you, but it, it's never. Uh, I'm sure an easy thing for an athlete to go through. Can you kind of tell us how the how the trade went down from your perspective? Well, yeah. I mean, it's the first time I've um, been moved from um, team in a playoff spot to a team out of a playoff spot. So um, you know that was a unique situation, and um, you know I, I think being traded at the trade deadline um is kind of a new experience for me I, I i was traded you know the year prior in like february but i was you know in the minors and kind of hoping for a trade at that point so um yeah you, you know i think you're you're obviously hoping to make it through the trade deadline and, and be part of the, the oilers going into the playoffs but um you know when that doesn't happen you just try and move forward and um you know, take a look at the opportunity you have presented in front of you. I think, um, you know, in, in the six games I, I played in, in Detroit, um, you know, I got some pretty good opportunity. I, I was able to play, uh, you know, some more power play minutes, which was good for me. And, um, you know, I felt good. I felt like I was, um, you know, making plays and, and feeling pretty comfortable out there. Um, but, you know, I mean, uh, you just um, you, you kind of take everything that, uh, that happens to you and you just keep pushing forward i mean i you know i still got a great opportunity to play in the nhl which is it's the most important thing um and you know i i've uh having having a lot of fun playing and just want to you know keep doing that as long as i can just a little reflection on the oilers season and i'll say to this point because it still potentially could be finished at some point you guys burst out of the gate uh, you know, December was really the only down month where where there were more losses than wins. And then ever since December 31st, the team had been, you know, one of the top five teams uh, in the NHL. Let, let's focus on that stretch first. You know, how come you, when, you know, starting with that wild game against the Rangers on New Year's Eve and up until uh, a loss to the, well, I know you weren't there for that, but until at least you were there for February 24th, how come the team was able to bank so many points over about a two and a half month stretch? Um, well, we, we we came out of the Christmas break and lost to um, to Calgary, kind of a tough loss. And then um, we, we had a meeting and just kind of discussed where we're at at this point. And obviously, weren't very happy with uh, with our December. And um, I think um, you know after that point, I thought you know we, we were rested coming out of the Christmas break, and I think that was a big part of it. And um, it just allowed us to kind of reset. And, um, you know, when we did that, after that Calgary game, we had a few days um, until uh, the New Year's Eve game. And uh, from that point on, you know, we had energy and we were playing with confidence and thought we played really well. Um, you know, I think you look at some some games that stand out, the game, you know, in Calgary, um, you know, that was a big one for us. Uh, I think uh, just kind of, establishing kind of some more confidence and um you know building building towards something and 
um, those are the kind of things that throughout a year, um, you know, really help your group move forward. And, um, you know, obviously the team's in a pretty good spot, um, you know, when, when everything kind of stopped and, um, you know, if it does get going again, um, you know, they're in a good spot going forward. Okay. So you mentioned there was a game in Calgary that was on February 1st, Sam, that is one of the most talked about moments, certainly in, in recent Oilers history and maybe an all-time classic, an 8-3 win with a goalie fight. And maybe everybody should should thank you, Sam, because what if you hadn't dug at Cam Talbot's glove that way? <laughs> yeah, who knows, I guess. I mean, I, I think um, the the emotions in that game were obviously running high and uh, it's probably just waiting to pop off at some point. Um, you know, I just happen to be the guy to, to get it started but um yeah i mean you don't see that too often in, in regular season games where the emotions are that high and um there, you know there seems to be kind of more at stake um but uh as a player uh th- that's all you can really ask for those are the best games to play um you know i i feel really comfortable in those games i have a ton of fun playing them and um you know they're just uh you can't really beat that and you know for a guy like myself wasn't played a ton of playoff hockey um you know that that's as close to a playoff game as you get and uh you know you like to see how your team responds in those type of games and you know we had a lot of guys step up in that game so um that was uh that's definitely a great game as that unfolded for you i mean so you're kind of engaged and behind the net Bear and Kachuk started fighting, and then I mean it's a goalie fight, which there hadn't been one in the NHL in like it, it, it like ten years. So at that point, you just kind of the whoever you're paired with, you just kind of stop, and it's like okay, I guess we got to watch this now. Or, or what was that moment like? Well, well, I had been pulled out of the pile by the linesman um, and told to get off the ice. Um, you know, the period was ending, and I and I got a penalty, so to get off the ice and then um i went to step through the boards and and i and i, I saw smitty coming down and i and so i stopped and i said like, i'm not getting off i gotta watch this if something happens and sure enough talbot came out and they went toe to toe at center ice and um so, you know so i was still able to, to be on the ice to watch that it was pretty crazy but it was just um the emotions of uh you know everything that happened at that point i mean we're in the dressing room in between the second and third, and we got a pretty substantial lead. But we're we're kind of screaming at each other that we got to calm down because we got to focus on trying to win the game in the third period too. Um, you know, just because we're so amped up, and you know, I'm sure they were feeling the same way on the other side. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty crazy atmosphere. Sam Gagne joining us tonight on Inside Sports at 7.44. One guy who came up from from the farm, and it was for that game on New Year's Eve, was Kyler Yamamoto. And, you know, you're not the tallest guy in the world, so you had to deal with the the size questions. He's had to deal with it. But, I mean, the kid's kid's a point of game, Sam. What what did you see from him? Uh, And I know he played with great line mates, but I, I think he helped them along the way too with Drysdale and Nugent Hopkins what would your report on Yamamoto be for maybe people I mean everybody in Edmonton has seen him play but you know you're a team you were a teammate what would your report be well yeah I mean I think he was um you know just as important to that line as those other two guys were um on a lot of nights and I think uh um you know successful lines in this league you need you need three guys pulling at the rope i mean um you know it, it's hard to produce in this league 
um, on your own. And then, you know, I, I think it just it, it makes it a little easier when you got two guys with you that are mm-hmm. um, uh, making plays all the time and creating. And I think the one thing with Kyler is he, he does that really well. Um, you know, just with his uh, tenacity on the puck, um, he, he wins a lot of loose puck battles. He wins a lot of races. And uh, it, it just allows his line to have the puck more and to create more chances. And, you know, as soon as he was put on that line, um, you know, our team kind of took off. And uh, that line took off. And it was um, it was a very important line for us uh, for, for a long time. So, um, you know, having Kyler play at that level, um, it's really important for that team. And, um, and he was uh, he's having a, you know, a great year and he's a great player. All right, I'm going to close off with a, a bit of a lighter question here, Sam. Um, and and it, you know, Pat Stapleton passed away today. A great hockey player, age of 79, and he played in the Canada Russia series in '72. And the video shows that he grabbed Henderson's puck after Henderson's goal. However, Stapleton has always been very coy about saying whether or not he had the puck. Paul Henderson has said, well, it's just a puck. I don't really need it. I, 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 I know I scored the goal. You had an epic night. I was lucky enough to cover it earlier in, in your career when you got eight points. You know, you've hit other milestones along your career. As an athlete, do you save stuff? Like, do you want to have a puck or a jersey or a stick, or is that more for, you know, collectors and fans to worry about? Um, I have certain things. Um, the night um, I scored the eight points, I, I still have the stick from that night. Um, and then uh, the the Oilers actually uh, is pretty nice of them. They put together a plaque for me, and um, one of the pucks is a game puck from that night. And then they they put together seven more pucks um, for each point, and then, and then uh, they have the game sheet up on the plaque and a few pictures and. Um, that's at my parents' house, and you know that's a pretty special memento. But um, other than that, I don't have much. I, I I've um, collected a few sticks from other guys over the years. You know, I got a Pat Kane. Um, obviously, played junior with him, and then Peter Forsberg is um, he was uh, my favorite player growing up. So when I played against him early in my career, I got a stick from him and a few other guys. Um, so you know, those are. Uh, always cool things you look back on and um, I've always been a huge fan of the game so um, I think when I'm done playing it's going to be nice to have those things yeah right on well Sam I really appreciate you checking in tonight Uh, I'm getting a couple uh, messages here from people listening somebody simply says I miss Sam Gagne (laughs) got another message says please tell Sam he's awesome so obviously Oilers fans are always going to have you in their hearts and uh, obviously Edmonton is uh, is your home too so thanks for checking in tonight and whenever we get going again all the best with the wings yeah thanks again I uh, appreciate you having me on Right on. That is Sam Gagne tonight on Inside Sports. Nice to catch up uh, with him. It's pretty cool memories about his view of the goalie fight between Smith and Talbot back on February 1st. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classic Spun with a modern twist. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. A little bit more from uh, Connor McDavid, and I believe Kellen Kennedy has some exciting news. We'll get to that. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Leon Dreisaitl, leading scorer 
in the National Hockey League. Connor McDavid on a conference call earlier today commenting on dealing with the uncertainty in hockey and in the world. Yeah, mentally it's it's tough. Um, it was tough for everyone. And I think that uh that uh um you know that 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 kind of that kind of makes me feel better knowing that that we're all in this thing together. Um, you know, it's not just one person that uh, that's stuck inside. It's it's everyone. So, um, and this is where you lean on your family, your friends, and and uh, all your loved ones. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm calling my parents all the time, calling my brother all the time. I got buddies back home. I'm always talking to. So, um, this is where you need to lean on your loved ones, and and, uh, and not only for yourself, but to make sure they're okay as well. So, um, you know, we all need to help each other through this uh, this crazy time, and. Um, you know, we do that by staying, staying in contact, uh, you know, whether it's Zoom or FaceTime or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, we're definitely doing that a lot. All right. That is Edmonton Oilers Captain Connor McDavid and uh, more on his comments today on 630Ched.com or on globalnews.ca. We will have a best of show tomorrow from 7 to 8 here on 630Ched for the time being as we uh, get you through the pandemic and all the news happening with that. For the time being, Inside Sports will be 7 to 8 and we'll have Global News Hour at 6 from 6 to 7. I am broadcasting from my house in my well, it's a spare bedroom, but I call it my office because there's a laptop and a few shelves of books in here. So I guess that makes it an office. Kellen Kennedy is still coming into work at six thirty. Chad Kellen, even fewer people than than there were. I mean, I was I, I was there for what, I guess about three weeks, but already kind of phase one of the people working at home had already left, and there weren't that many people there. And now even more people are at home this week. So you you are virtually out of touch. With humanity at work. Yeah, we're pretty well cut off from the entirety of the outside world. No, just kidding. Uh, we're, it's pretty quiet around here. Uh, it's just myself and uh, Mr. Thomas Dias, who's doing our news tonight, uh, that I see right now in the building. And uh, whoever's over on uh, our sister station, uh, Global News 880 as well, uh, you know, bringing all the reports and that stuff and everything. But it's a very... Um, I think we got past skeleton about a week ago. <laughs> it's 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 <laughs> it's uh, everybody's dope working remotely. All the stuff's coming in. Technology's awesome. So it's just a, a different way of working right now. But it's great. All right, now we we should we should conclude a, a bit of a storyline here that you and I have been yes. touching on. We had a, it's a bit of a cliffhanger here. So you had ordered mm-hmm. a VCR, and for people who don't know what that is, that stands for video cassette recorder. It was a way to watch movies and television shows or record stuff off TV in your own home. If, for many, this is considered an obsolete technology, but the last we had checked in with you, you had ordered one. Yes, last week, yep. And and has it arrived? What is the status of your VCR? So as of uh, 10.30 Mountain earlier today, uh, it has arrived. I do have it in my possession at home. It has arrived. Yes. So, uh, like, what, it came through Amazon or what? Uh, I ordered it through eBay, so it's just through the uh, Canada Post dropped it off this morning. And uh, no, was it, it, did it, it, so. did it have, was it packed in styrofoam chips? No. No, oh, bubble wrap. Well, that's, that, I find that disappointing for some reason. I know, yeah. Well, did you too. snap the bubble wrap? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> I have. Okay. I, I sh- now, does it... <laughs> 
For, have you set it up? Does it work? Uh, full disclosure, I have popped open the box and just taken inventory of what's all in there. I haven't plugged it in yet. Well, uh, what's, I, me, what's all in there? It's a VCR. <laughs> what else do you need well, in there? Hey, remote. I had to make sure that there was a remote oh, okay, in there. The remote, I had to make sure that the cables cable. were in there, stuff like that. So just wanted to double-check, make sure that all that was said to be included in the order was included in the order, and I'm happy to say, you know, thumbs up there. Uh, either later tonight or sometime tomorrow, I will plug it into my television set and uh, give it a spin. So what, what does it connect with? Does it have the old... RCA three color. What yep. were they? Red, red, yellow, and white. They got the old. And RCA. you have a TV. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And you you have a TV that will receive that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Well, this is exciting. Now, so now we've advanced the story further, but now we're into the final chapter. Will it work? That's right. So that's that's now we have an even further cliffhanging going on. Exactly. Wow, that's amazing, Kelly. Stay tuned for part three. <laughs> Thanks for sharing the story. Okay. Tell you what, folks, I I really appreciate you tuning in. It means a lot to me to be able to connect with you. And uh, and thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with a best of show from 7 to 8 and then a live show on Monday. I always appreciate when you tune in, whether it's for a long time or just a little bit of time. You heard from Mike Riley. And Sam Gagne tonight, thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, Kellen Kennedy, you just heard from. He's your studio operator. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great Easter. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.